1: Plug in and get
0: connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel
1: insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 67. This one is craft beer in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. A wide variety of beer styles on offer has been common in Europe and North America for decades. In the case of Europe, centuries. About 30 years ago in America and Canada, Craft beer, as it's now come to be known, began to take off. Slowly at first, then about 10 years ago, things really exploded. There's a style, catchy name, and funky label for just about every taste. Asia's been a bit slow to follow, but things are starting to pick up. Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam is perhaps at the forefront of craft brewing in Asia, with brewers there turning out some delicious varieties. Today we'll chat with a local brewer about the scene, what his team are up to, and why you should visit Ho Chi Minh City if you love craft beer. From Bangkok, Thailand, this is Scott Coates, and with me in person enjoying a cold beer is...
0: Trevor Ages, drinking a uh, craft beer
1: from uh, the sunny state of California. Okay, Trevor. Well, great. We are beer fans, and we've been talking about maybe doing this episode for a while. Yeah. When was your first kind of exposure to quote-unquote craft
0: beer? I really don't know. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, what kind of beer did I drink in college? Because, you know, Sierra Nevada was around back then. Anchor was obviously around since back then. And then I realized that back in college, I couldn't afford to drink craft beer. So we were drinking, Mm. like, Mickey's and Old English and and 40s and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, But right after I graduated from college... Um, I was lucky enough to to get a job uh, with a team running the first U-brew in the United States in Hermosa Beach, California. Cool. So I started brewing craft beer back in 1993, 1994, Um, and then I've really never looked back and I've always sort of been involved in beer in one way or or another ever since then. Um, So I've been really happy in recent years that the beer scene has really taken off. And uh, I had spent quite a bit of time in Ho Chi Minh City and there wasn't much of a nightlife scene at all really let alone a craft beer scene uh, mm. there was some brewing going on there with the, the whole check connection and the lion brewery yeah um but it's great to hear that the that the home brewing scene is really taking off or craft beer brewing scene whatever you want to call it
1: yeah i first encountered let's call craft i think it was called micro Yes, yeah. and in calgary canada one called big rock it's been open over 30 years and you know I think their beers are maybe like 20 cents more a bottle at the liquor store, Mm -hmm. but they made and make my favorite beer in the world. It's traditional and it's a brown ale. And they were really one of the early ones. And Canada had quite a few of them, and sort of. So when I was in my early 20s, I was already drinking like an Irish red and a brown ale and uh, a, yeah and a, a pale yeah. and they were kind of regular price and I worked in a bar and there was those and a few others but uh, I got a taste for the good stuff. Yeah, and then we moved here, right? And I right, was here two thousand
0: one. Yeah. You came moved here 99 2000- And yeah. uh,
1: there was Tony's Brewery. Remember Tony's Brewery? Uh, I uh, go there. It was
0: and uh, there was a, there was Air had turned into a small microbrew. They yeah. sold that at Dong Long Airport. Yeah. yeah, and the
1: Londoner used to be yeah, here. Uh-huh.
0: Slim Pickens back in those days, oh, though. Oh, man.
1: There was yeah. nothing. And really until three, four years ago, know, right? Beer started five years ago. Okay. Um, Bringing in mainly American craft beers, right? Yep.
0: Mostly American, but some Japanese, some Norwegian stuff as well. Right. Uh, and now Thailand's really got a taste for it. Um, And and it's expanded across Southeast Asia, but it's great to hear that that it's taking off in Vietnam, which has the the most liberal brewing laws. It seems.
1: Yeah, I was over there in May, twenty seventeen, working, and I think I hit up six, five or six different like bar slash brew pubs, like some really great stuff. Pasture Brewing Company is the original one, pretty good. I went to another one called the Winking Seal. East West is like a brand new, very Western kind of place. Heart of Darkness, which hands down my favorite beer in the city he's uh, the owner's going to be our guest a bar called Bia Craft, which has like 50 taps. Yeah, from it's breweries. All one, local beers. Too, yeah, right? one called Lac, which is really nice. Um, there's another one called Platinum. And then in Cambodia years ago, there was Kingdom, which is so so. There's Chit Beer operating kind of quasi legally. Yeah, here I went to Thailand. a new brew pub
0: in uh, Phnom Penh recently. And, uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, and then there's a distillery. You know, Craft Spirits is really blowing up uh, for the magazine, Two Magazine. We're doing a big rum story.
1: Right, right. So, I mean, it, it's happening. I, I mean, it costs a lot of money to drink these beers. Here, but it's nice to have the option, right? Before it was like lager, lager, pilsner, lager. That was it, right? At least there's beginning to be options.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's great that the home brewing and the craft beer brewing scene is really starting to blow up. And I'm glad that there, there is still a bit of camaraderie. You know, I, I think it's a little silly what some of the brewers doing with all these competitions all the time and they're trying to outdo one another when when they're really just all novice brewers and, and they should be working. And they're it. all IPAs? You, no, they're <laughs> not. But, but they're making like some lemongrass thing or some raspberry thing. And, and mm. they don't yet understand the subtlety in the art of brewing. And, and they hit you over the head with all these adjuncts, flavors, and stuff like that, you know, and and like you said, the price, I think uh, they're pricing themselves out of some of the markets because, you know, I'd rather pay a, you know, top dollar for a quality imported beer um, than overpay for something that's mediocre quality
1: but the quality is definitely getting better so hopefully uh, it'll keep moving in that direction yeah we'll move into ho chi minh i mean it is more reasonable there i seem to remember paying about like 350 to 4 dollars u.s for a 16 ounce american size pint mm-hmm. in most places and it really kind of is fitting that they have this boom on in vietnam because bia hoa which is fresh beer has always been served in vietnam on street corners on little stools on the corner like 25 cents for a quick little glass People do it, and it's so it's been a thing, and now they're kind of in the forefront of brewing beer. And I I think if you like beer, like sampling beer in Ho Chi Minh City is now one of the big reasons to go, in addition to the historical sites. Yeah, the
0: more I learn, and, and again, like that's one of the things that's lacking here in Bangkok to some degree, is that ability to sample it at reasonable prices. Yeah. But if you can go to a bar in Ho Chi Minh City that's got 50 different beers on on tap... And, and not
1: imports. No local stuff. Beers. And
0: they'll probably give you samples, yeah, and, and you can get $3 pints, maybe, $4 yeah. pints. Yeah. Uh, that That sounds like a really... the best market for craft beer now. And, and then I just heard that the SEA Brew, Southeast Asia Brew Conference, uh, the largest beer conference in the region, just had its third installment in Ho Chi Minh City um, after having its first two uh, iterations down in Singapore. So that really seems like the, this dynamic beer scene is really taking off in, in Vietnam as the city of Ho Chi Minh City is really growing into its own as well.
1: Yeah, well, let's bring in the expert. Our guest was born in Australia, raised in the UK, and has lived in Asia for quite a while now. A former Ikea executive, he was home brewing, when friends, tasted his work, and insisted that he must start a brewery. John Pemberton opened his Purpose Belt Brewery, Heart of Darkness, in Ho Chi Minh City's District 3, where they're serving up very drinkable beer, and he joins us by Skype from Ho Chi Minh City. Thanks for chatting with us, John. Hi, nice to meet you
2: guys.
0: Great. Yeah, I know I haven't quite met you yet. I'm actually looking more forward to to trying out your beer, but hopefully we can do two birds with one stone sometime.
2: (laughs) Cool. Sounds like one of you was stalking me in my bar (laughs) though.
1: I was, uh, admittedly in May. We were talking before we recorded. I ended up there like six of eight nights. Uh, It might be a sign of a problem.
2: Well, we're looking forward to your return visit then.
1: Yeah. Well, John, we always like to just start by getting to know how and when people ended up in Asia. So how and when did you end up living and working in Asia? <laughs>
2: um, wow. Okay. There was this lovely Irish lady called Annie who broke my heart. And, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. and I decided I had to get far, far away from Hastings, England, where I grew up. And uh, my brother had just come back from traveling and he was in Taiwan. And he said, ah, go to Taiwan, mate. My friends will look after you, teach English, make some money, go traveling, work out what you want to do with your life. So uh, I quit my job at the post office the next day, cashed mm-hmm. in my tax return. You can get your money back if you l- work for less than six months. So uh, okay. I ended up with like, enough money for a one-way ticket to Taiwan and $100 in my pocket, and off I went. Right. $100? Uh, yeah, and I never looked back. Wow. I'm technically still on that same trip.
0: Wow. So how long have you been in Vietnam then?
2: I've uh, been in Vietnam for a little Okay. And what took you to Vietnam? Uh, Ikea. So I'd um, been working for a British retailer in the in China in Shenzhen, and uh, when I discovered craft brewing, I I, I again quit my job, and uh, did nothing but brew for six months and just taught myself to brew and and, like was just reading everything I could, brewing every minute I could brew, um, like passing out on the keyboard at night and waking up with keys stuck to my face in the morning, Um, and and then. All of a sudden, IKEA came along and said, uh, "How do you feel about being country manager for uh, Vietnam, deputy trading area manager for Southeast Asia?" And this had always, Ho Chi Minh had always been like one of my favorite cities in Asia, so it was a no-brainer. So uh, I came out of my brewing retirement and uh, and moved to Saigon.
0: Hmm. You know, that's really interesting that you you started brewing here in Asia because you know I brewed in the states since the '90s and in the U.S. Um, obviously there's home brewing supply stores and everything. And when I first started brewing in Asia, it was really difficult to get equipment and everything. So, so how was it that you were able to get into home brewing here in Asia?
2: Uh, it was a wonderful friend of mine, Steve, uh, who's an engineer. Uh, and he, he'd been trying to get me to brew for ages. Because when I lived in the States, I was in New York from like 96 to 2006. And um, I got really, really into craft beer. And then, of course, I was in China for eight years and... Seven and a half years in, Steve's like, mate, we've got a brew, we've got a brew, we've got a brew. And I was just too busy traveling with my job. And, uh, and then Steve rocked up one night with this bottle of Indian Red Ale that just blew my mind. It's was like, wow, you can make that in your kitchen. I mean, this is as good as anything I've ever had in the States. Hmm. So um, at that time, he wasn't working. A lot of unemployment in this story. <laughs> um, at that time, he wasn't working. So I said, all right, here's the deal. I'll pay for the system. We build it together, and then you teach me what you know, and then from there, we'll just build on it. <clears throat>
1: this is is not Vespa
2: Steve, is it? No, 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 no. This is uh, Steve Brown. He's back in, back in Ireland now. Okay. Um, so... So, yeah, so we basically, we went and we found out, we went around all the big sort of commercial restaurant um, shops and we found ourselves a 100-litre kettle uh, and a big, big old gas burner. Um, We converted a 90-litre Esky into our mash tun, you know, taking the the stainless steel braid from the plumber's piping Mm -hmm. as our filters. Um, And then we got like a 30-litre sort of commercial kettle that was our, our hot liquor tank. And it was all gravity-fed yep. system, and um, and we started brewing. Actually, it was it was a pretty kick-ass system. It was really efficient, uh, and turned out some really nice beer. And how long ago was this? This would have been two thousand and fourteen, I guess. Okay, uh, so not long ago. So you
1: really only started making beer like
2: three years ago? Um, about no, it's about five years ago now, right? Okay. Oh sorry, no, no, no two thousand twelve. I moved here in thirteen, yeah, two thousand twelve. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah.
1: So Ed, what led you to make the jump from, you know, brewing for fun and your own purposes and your friends to kind of doing it on a professional commercial basis?
2: Well, I've been touring with it at that point in China. Um, because at that point in China there was nothing. There I mean we were one of the first homebrewers even in southeast China in, in southern China. Um, there was nothing happening in Hong Kong at that point. Um, so I was toying with it there, and then, of course, the IKEA thing came up, and that's not really something you say no to in the sourcing and procurement world. Um, so it kind of put it on hold. And then um, and then when I met my business partner, well, it was another brewery that opened up here um, who have since become a lot better, but back then when they first started, they were the first ones we were super excited mm-hmm. to have a, a microbrewery here. Uh, so me and my neighbor went down there and were trying the beers, and... Um, an uh, acquaintance of his, Andrew, walked in and we started chatting. First time i had ever met him. And, um, and at one point my neighbor said, John, your beers are much better than this. Let's go back to your place. <laughs> so we did. And, uh, we were drinking, actually what's now our Kurtz's Insane IPA. Oh, was on I had tap one that day. All right. Yeah. And our Piddlest Folly Pale Ale. I had both of those on tap. I had that too. And, uh, <laughs> all right. And, uh, Andrew tried them and he was like, oh my God, oh, mate, we've got to open a brewery. Hmm. And, um, So I said yes, and didn't really expect it to go anywhere. You know, you have these pipe dreams and people say stuff. And then we started creating spreadsheets, and we started thinking it all through. And then being a sourcing guy, I started getting on planes and going to China and started sourcing and finding the equipment. And then it got to that stage of like, right, boys, time to start dumping life savings into a bank account, and let's go. Like, well, nothing better to do. Let's go. So we did. Hmm, And, uh, And here we are today, and I'm super glad I did.
0: Okay, so how long has the Heart of Darkness
2: been open officially there? Uh, the brewery, the first brew went down on September 26th last year, um, mm. and we technically opened the bar at the start of December last year. We're going um, to make it Conrad's birthday, which I think is December 6th. We'll make that our official mm. birthday as well.
1: Oh, Okay, cool. So was the concept always to brew beer and sell it yourself at your own bar?
2: The initial concept was to brew for distribution to begin with, give ourselves six months to sort of get our head around that. I mean, you have to remember that none of the partners have ever run a bar, run a brewery or anything like this before. Mm. Um, So we figured let's take it one step at a time. And then, I don't know, about six months before we opened the brewery, I sort of walked into a meeting with my partners. I was like, guys, 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 I've had this epiphany. We have to open the bar at the same time. We have to have a flagship bar to promote the brand. Mm -hmm. And they fully agreed with me. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, we did the whole thing together in unison. Uh, We just got a little few setbacks with the bar, so it was a couple of months behind the the brewery. Um, It nearly killed me, but in hindsight, it was the right thing to do. Um, It's definitely been... Uh, a big a big help for us to have the bar to get our brand out there to be able to show what we're really capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's a nice place for people to come and see what we're about.
0: That's great uh, i I did my MBA with the University of Hawaii in Ho Chi Minh City part time over about five years. And uh, I always thought Ho Chi Minh City was great because there was the Lion Brewery, there was a couple different Czech breweries, there's like two or three different Czech yeah. breweries, um, and it seemed like the Vietnamese had some appreciation for good beer. Um, but this was even before I got involved in Biervana and the craft beer scene really exploded here in Thailand. Um, but but apparently there's a pretty big craft beer scene in Ho Chi Minh City now. Uh how's, how's that looking over there?
2: It's developing at speed. We just actually had um uh we do a beer festival at Saigon Outcast about four times a year. Mm-hmm. And uh we just blew the doors off at this time. It's absolutely unbelievable. And we had like 1,500 people come on the first day. Wow. Um and the sales, I mean we I doubled anything we've ever done before. Um so Anecdotally, that tells you that it's growing. I mean, our bar sales numbers show us it's growing all the time. Um, we're getting lo- a lot more Vietnamese now. When we opened, we were mainly expat, um, which we always actually expected. Um, but now we're, um, we're probably 60 or 70% Vietnamese. Um, nice. And then you go somewhere like Beercraft in District 3. Um, those boys are very smart, and they opened up right smack in the middle of a quite an affluent Vietnamese neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, and from day one they've been doing 70-80% Vietnamese yeah I've noticed that when I've
1: been there I've been a few times and yeah it's neat to see them get in the local market
2: yeah I mean and lead in the way I mean literally every night they pack that place now
0: Hmm. so are there a lot of local brewers setting up shop now as well
2: yeah well we've got so there's I think there's like maybe 13 or 14 of us now there's two local I was going to say there's there two? No, there's one. There's Seacraft up in Hanoi, um, and the rest of us are expat-driven, um, expat-owned. I'm frantically searching my mind right now to make sure that's yeah, a correct sorry. statement. But um, but no, I think that's pretty much it. There's really just Seacraft from Hanoi, and he's just come down and opened a bar down here in Saigon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a booming scene. There's a lot of really, I mean, it's a great scene as well, because there's just lots of like-minded individuals um doing the same thing so you know by definition we're actually all very similar personalities so we all get on really well Uh, so those beer festivals get quite messy
0: yeah what was the festival that you guys just had there last week what was going on there uh, southeast Southeast
1: asia one
2: yeah Yeah, we had the southeast asia um brewing convention conference here uh, run by charles from singapore that was really good we basically had all all the brewers and sort of support network from around the whole region come to Saigon. Um, it was an awesome event, actually. Really well done. Uh, Charles does a, does a good job of it. Uh, and then the parties. Oh, my God, the networking. Oh, it was five days of pure carnage. Hmm. Oh, good fun. <laughs> um,
1: I mean, from when I first went to Vietnam, I think back in 95 or 96, I, I really was intrigued by the whole Bia Hoa. Phenomena, you know, these little kegs of beer and sitting on a tiny plastic stool on the corner and getting draft for like 20, 25 cents U.S. Why do you yeah. think Vietnamese have this beer culture? Like, what do you know about the beer culture? And do you think that kind of translates to the, the boom in craft beer with Vietnamese?
2: I, I don't actually know why they have such a love for beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm guessing it's probably the French influence. And, the um, you know, they've had a lot of international influence on them over the years. Um, But in terms of the, I mean, they they do have this passion for beer. I think they're like third in the region. Uh, I think they're number one beer consumer in Southeast Asia and they're number three in Asia, just behind Korea and Japan. Okay. Um, But they definitely have a love for beer. So, I mean, the whole, when we started this, that was the premise of it really was just like, well, they love beer and they don't have craft beer. So we know that everywhere else in the world where craft beer has been, it escalates and grows really quickly, so why not give it a shot? Uh, well, that was basically <laughs> that was basically our back of a fag packet calculation for setting up out of darkness at the time. Cool. Well, when I was just there in May 2017,
1: I think I visited five or six kind of breweries slash with pubs or pubs serving local brews. How how many actual microbrews are there in Ho Chi Minh City and and kind of microbrew type bars in the city?
2: Um, like, so tied to their breweries, there's us, there's Pasteur Street, there's East West, um, and then there's Fat Rooster and Lack. So those are the only five that have their own bars. Okay. And then we've also got, um, Beercraft in District 3 and Beercraft in District 2. Mm -hmm. Um, they're basically the granddaddies of the tap houses. Right. They were the first ones, and and I give them a lot of credit for the scene here, um, they they basically gave everyone a, a, a tap space to mm. get started. Yeah, um, and then we've got Malt in District One, which is hands down my favourite bar in the city, apart Malt. from my own, of course. Okay, yeah, Malt's awesome. Um, there. And we've just got a new one across the road there from them as well, called So Meow. Uh, you definitely need to go to Malt next time you're here. Okay, um, and then then there's another one, Urban Basement, just opened up. There, and then there's the wonderful Saigon Craft over in District Seven. Uh, so one that 's just a great place cool. I'm the only one over in d seven at the moment' not
1: been there either so you 've got my next trip planned out for me uh, John I'm going all, next right.
2: Month. all right awesome well look me up and I'll, I'll make sure I get you to great. all those places so so
0: for again our podcast is for travelers as well so we want to be able to give some advice for not just ourselves but other people who are visiting (laughs) um and we don't want to take away business from people going to the heart of darkness but uh am i to believe that these tap houses are are selling beers from all the different craft brewers so Mm -hmm. if you go to malt uh, you can buy your beer and other people's beers there is there any imported beers coming in there to the scene yet
2: well that's the that's the super interesting thing about this scene. And it never really dawned on me, but we had the uh, regional marketing director from BrewDog here in the bar the other week. And he was saying, you know, the really interesting thing about the Saigon scene, John, is that you know, most most craft beer scenes grow from imports. Um, and then after the imports, maybe you'll start to see a local scene happen and brewers start brewing. He said, but that didn't happen here, did it? And I was like, I paused and thought about it. He's like, no, absolutely not. We just all set up breweries and started making beer into a market that, Hadn't had it before. Um, and it's still pretty much that way. I mean, we have Flying Monkeys here from Toronto. Uh, we have Anderson Valley. Mm-hmm. And that's really it uh, for imports right now. I know from this last, uh, from the Brewers Conference, that uh, there's a lot of people sniffing around wanting to import now. Um, which is you know fair enough. Um, but right now, no, it's pretty much the local scene. Um, and yes, those bars will be carrying everybody's beers. And I have zero issue with people going to those bars. I, I, all I want is for this scene to grow. Uh, share the love. I mean, the more people are drinking craft, the more buzz around craft, the better it is for all of us.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, uh, everybody should be helping each other out to, to grow the scene, yeah? yeah? So, Absolutely. So what makes your establishment special? What makes your beer special?
2: Um, well, first of all, I think everybody here is doing something unique and different. Everybody's got their own style and their own way of doing it. All the tap rooms have their own sort of personalities. I don't know, so I don't see anybody as competition. Um, what we focus on is we are hoppy. Uh, we're unabashed hopheads, um, but we're also very into our beers being balanced, so that you can layer in a whole bunch of hops and flavors without it being overtly bitter or in your face or you know mouth puckering at all. Um, so so we are hopheads. we we, all our beers have a hoppy twist to them um but what we want to we do have approachable entry-level beers and we we i think our our selection we always have 20 beers on tap we're one the only brewery to do that right now um because we just want to explore i mean for us that's part of our mission statement part of our marketing strategy is all about exploration exploration uh and the journey Uh, we want to take people on a journey into into craft beer so we brew styles from all over the world. Um, you know, we'll have German beers on, we'll have Belgian beers on, we'll have American beers, British beers, we'll do all sorts of different stuff because that's what really excites us, uh, and gets us out of bed in the morning with a smile on our faces. Uh, and then we've always, the bar has always been very important to us to create the soul of our brand. Um, and I hope you've experienced that when you were here. I mean, it's, uh, We try and be a friendly, warm and welcoming bar. I teach the staff. We don't judge. We treat everybody well. Um, I didn't hire my staff for experience. I hired them for their personalities and their attitudes. Um, So -hmm. there's this wonderful band of misfits that have come together uh, and work as this amazing cohesive unit. And they make this bar so much fun. Um, I mean, they are the stars for me in this whole show. Um, And then the bar is just nice and laid back and no pressure. Uh, That's how we wanted it to be. So I think that's how we differentiate ourselves.
1: Well, I think you nailed the bar and you nailed the beers. And before we recorded, I told you there's at least six beers, all of different styles. I loved your Scotch Ale. You had one like Guinness. The Pale was great. And you say all oh, your beers are hoppy, but I'm kind of, I'm not anti-hop, but I hate the way it seems everything's an IPA these yeah. days or brewers just over hop stuff because they can't make good flavor. Right. And I felt like, man, you had really such a nice variety of beers and the bar is super comfortable. So... Thinking about a traveler coming to Ho Chi Minh City, do you think you could fill a few days with just sampling beers and drinking your way around town? Or would one day do it? Or how much time should someone allot to properly
2: drink in the city? <laughs> well, if you've got five days, you have to at least spend three days with us. Um, no, it's uh, absolutely, you can... you can. I mean, we have people do this all the time, actually. It's quite fun. Um, I mean, depending on how much time you want to spend in each bar, you could easily fill five days. I mean, you're going to go... I mean, if you go do the circuit and find the bars that you like on the first time around, that's going to take you three days to find those bars, and then you know, you'll spend a couple of days in the bars that you've picked as your favorites, right? Mm-hmm. But we, we get people coming in here all the time. Normally during the daytime, um, they'll get hit. <laughs> They'll be the ones that are sort of standing at the door at like 10.55 when we open at 11, and they'll be <laughs> sitting out in the garden waiting for us to open. Yeah. Um, and and they, they've got a whole day of it planned ahead, so we'll, we'll point them in. You know, we'll get the maps out with them, we'll show them where everything else is, all the other bars and the breweries and where they need to go. Um, and I know the other guys do the same thing for us if those guys are sitting outside their bars at, before opening time. Um, so it, it's quite a popular thing to do now. Uh, and then we've got the Vespa tours. I mean, Steve does a great job with that. Um, so they basically go around all of the breweries that have tap rooms. Nice brewery tour. I mean, yeah, he took me on one last yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, Isn't it cool? It's yeah, so it's much very fun. Cool. So I think you get 16 beers in that tour.
1: Huh. It was enough <laughs> beer, and I'm an avid beer drinker, that I think we tapped out before the last beer or two. Like I was like, yeah. man, you really have to be a serious beer drinker to get through it.
2: Yeah, I've heard that from many people. Mm. I'm just really glad that we're number three on the stop. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be the final stop, do you? <laughs> I know they're getting a little bit larry by the time they get to us but then we ship them off to my friends at East West. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Good luck yeah. boys.
0: <laughs> I like that crossover between between guests and episodes of our show because we had Steve on recently. Yeah. Um so oh, cool. so John like this year is kind of poised, I think, to be Thailand's big breakout for craft beer. It seems like, you know, it's already big in Bangkok, it's already big in Chiang Mai, um, it seems like this year all the provinces are really discovering craft beer and, and this is going to be a huge year for beer in Thailand. Um, awesome. Do you see that happening quite yet in like Da Nang or Nha Trang or, or some of the more popular tourist destinations, like when when's the craft beer going to arrive in those parts of Vietnam?
2: Um, da Nang definitely I'm, I'm very focused on Da Nang and Hoi An right now um, we're only in a couple of outlets up there at the moment but it's doing really well um, actually we're in three outlets up there um, but I'm sort of planning with my sales manager Ryan right now to get up there and, and do a big push up there because I really see the potential there mm. um, Hanoi as well I've held back on Hanoi um, wanted to focus down here more um, but Hanoi I think is ready now um, or at least I'm ready for Hanoi, but I do see it happening. I mean, it's not, it's not. We're not as advanced as Thailand right now, um, but we're moving at a faster speed. I mean, I've watched Thailand develop myself over the years, my trips there, um, and I, I, I do believe that it's actually happening a lot quicker here in Saigon. We're also seeing a, a quick shift from the lighter beers over to the IPAs now, and, and that's really only happened in the last couple of. You know, we're only a two and a half year old scene really. Uh, and to already see people moving that way to the to the bigger beers, I think is really interesting and tells a lot about what's happening in the scene.
1: Hmm. What What are your favorite beers in Southeast Asia? Like thinking beyond your own bar, what are some of the, the standouts for you?
2: I'm a massive fan of Lack. Um, it's Devil's Lake IPA. It still is a go-to for me if I'm going to cheat on Kurtz. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And uh, I mean, I love Tete and what they're doing um, and seeing their evolution. Uh, I was hanging out with them the other Sunday, got way, way too drunk with them, and just drinking Tete all day, and it was fantastic. It was just just a lovely, crushable, easy drinking, hot weather beer. Um, East West, I love what they're doing. I love how they're bridging cultures there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a completely different. Um, take on what we're doing. They're they're getting more into like the you know the hip hip crowd, the young Vietnamese, um, where I think that they'll bring people over to craft, and then everybody's going to benefit from that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and I mean I love what beer craft are doing. I love how they're coming in with their 50 taps now in District Three, and how fair they are. Like everybody gets their four taps and you just rotate sort of your beers through it. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great way of getting out there to the Vietnamese and, and promoting. Um, my favorite beer in Asia right now is an imported one though. It's Deschutes Freshly Freshly Squeezed. Nice, fresh squeezed. Um, oh God, I love that beer. Um, (laughs) It's a nice one. It is, it's fantastic. And it inspired me to start making New England IPAs as well. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously we did our own take on it. Did, was Vast Country on when you were here? I
1: don't think it was, John.
2: Ah, so we've done Vast Country and we've now done, um, Loose Rivet as well. Two of my favorite beers in our portfolio. Okay. Just beautiful, but all inspired by Deschutes, so they get full credit.
0: Hey, that's great. And I like the fact that you don't call it a hazy, you call it a New England IPA, because I'm originally from (laughs) Vermont, so I appreciate that. So finally, (laughs) I understand that you're going to expand outside of Vietnam, that Beervana is going to be importing your beer here to Thailand soon.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. I'm loving working with those guys. They were here for the conference last week, and... um, Spend a lot of time with them, I and mean, we've spent a lot of time with each other over the over the last year anyway, since we met at the last conference. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be a marriage made in heaven. I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm super psyched to be in Thailand.
1: Yeah, we're really looking forward to having your beer here. Yeah, I love going to Ho Chi Minh, but at least I'll be able to get it a little closer to home, John.
2: Yeah, we'll also be doing, um, so we're going to do Hair of the Dogs uh, house beer as well. Mm-hmm. So oh, very cool. keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, it, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell you, but they're going to call it liquid lobotomy, which I think is so perfect (laughs) for them.
1: (laughs) Very cool. Well, John, uh, clearly I'm a fan of your beer, and I'm looking forward to having it uh, next month in September 2017. Really appreciate you making time to share your passion for beer and uh, giving travelers the scoop on how to enjoy beers uh, when they're in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam.
2: Thank you, guys. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. And uh,
0: maybe we'll meet up with you this weekend uh, when you're here in Bangkok.
2: I do hope so. All right. I'll let you know what we're up to. Great. Take right. care. Take care, guys. Cheers.
0: Yeah, that's great news. Yeah, Scott. Um, I'm really happy that John's going to be bringing his beer here since I don't really have any plans to, to go to Vietnam yeah. yet soon. And uh, and I trust yours and other people's opinions of the quality of the beer that he's
1: making. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. But. You know, it's just astounding, the Ho Chi Minh beer scene. I was there in May 2017, and he missed, uh, I think, one other brewery. But, like, yeah, there's, like, say, eight places, you know, more or less. And there's some, like, he said 50 taps of beer craft And beer yeah. craft is a great place because they just have everyone's beer on tap. But think, like, 50 beers being brewed in Ho Chi Minh. He said that Thailand, I think he meant development-wise, is ahead of Vietnam, but you can't, even brew beer in Thailand legally so right. man they're just caning it right so if you like beer like Ho Chi Minh City that's to me a legitimate reason to go to Ho Chi Minh a City a
0: beer destination yeah it yeah. is I mean even back in the day I'd, I'd written about it for something and I did a podcast about it for Smiling Albino podcast years ago mm-hmm. but they like there had always been this connection between the Vietnamese and the Czech you know, Czechoslovakia right, yeah, from the old, the like, Czech breweries yeah. There, yeah. So there had been a number of Czech breweries there, and there there has been this tradition of brewing beer in Vietnam. So it totally makes sense that that craft would take off there. Um, it's just awesome to hear that it's growing so quickly now.
1: Yeah, so, and I mean, like most places, the craft beer I find a little, the jump between price between a local beer and a craft I still find a little tough to swallow. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. But a glass of craft there is still a fair bit less than a craft in Thailand. So yeah. comparatively for the region, if you're comparing prices to Malaysia or Singapore or Thailand, it's cheaper to drink there. Like I think I was having a 16-ounce glass there for maybe like 4 US, nice. something like that. Yeah. Well,
0: it's, not, it's not 10 or $0.20 cents like the, the Bia Hoi. The, no, no. <laughs> but, uh,
1: the tastes aren't comparable. So, yeah, I mean I was super stoked with the scene. It's only going to grow – If you like beer and you're in Ho Chi Minh City, definitely worth a couple days of your time. And like you mentioned, the Vietnam Vespa Tour is super fun. Yeah,
0: that sounded great.
1: And it was was great because they would ask you what foods you like. And so you'd get to a bar and they'd write as soon as you... Uh, enter they'd give them the slip of paper you'd filled out and they'd bring out your kind of like little snacks to be paired with your beer and there was a ton of beer so it was a fun way to ride around in a cool vehicle and have a bunch of beer
0: yeah if people go to our show notes at uh, www.talktravelasia.com yeah we'll have a link to the vespa tours and and to steve's episode that we had him on the show recently Um, otherwise i think there should be a link and there will be to uh, heart of darkness because he said they do like four beer festivals a year which is awesome too
1: yeah it's it's quite something like all around seriously impressive ho chi Minh is you know one of the region's great cities anyway it's a city on the move it's changing but it's got the old historical classics this is just one more reason to go so exciting stuff they're doing over there it's a Moscow. I look forward to my next visit. Uh, I don't really have much more to say except maybe drink this beer. We just yeah, here. Cheers drink. to the beers. Cheers to the beers. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a, another episode. This is Scott Coates saying, until next time.
0: This is Trevor Ranges. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks with uh, some wild uh, adventure ideas in, in Southeast Asia. I believe so. Adios.
1: Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Anchor Tom?